The speeches that world leaders give at the United Nations General Assembly every year are a very good indicator of the geopolitical situation at the time. If you go back and you listen to the speeches that anti-colonial leaders gave in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, you can really get an idea of the revolutionary spirit in much of the global south at the time. This was the peak of the national liberation struggles against European colonialism, and many speeches denounced colonialism and exploitation and talked about the importance of defending national sovereignty. Well, today in 2023, I think in many ways we're seeing a revival of that anti-colonialist spirit. And at the UN General Assembly that was held in September, there were multiple revolutionary speeches from Global South leaders. Normally, we hear this kind of revolutionary rhetoric from the leftist governments in Latin America, like in Cuba and Nicaragua and Venezuela. But this year, there was a rise in the number of fiery anti-colonial speeches from Africa. And today I'm going to be looking at what was perhaps the most revolutionary speech given at the UN General Assembly, and that was from Burkina Faso. This is a West African nation that was previously a French colony. And in September of 2022, there was a military takeover by a leftist leader named Ibrahim Traoré. He has brought back the legacy of the former revolutionary leftist leader of Burkina Faso, Thomas Sankara, and his government has condemned what it calls the neo-colonial policies still maintained today by France. France controls Burkina Faso's currency. French companies have first priority for many government contracts and have exploited the natural resources in Burkina Faso, especially the gold. Now, this is an extremely poor country. It's one of the most impoverished countries on earth. And yet every year, Burkina Faso exports billions of dollars worth of gold. So the new revolutionary government in Burkina Faso has revived a lot of this anti-colonial ideology that the Western powers had tried to destroy back during the, the first Cold War. And Burkina Faso's minister of state, Basoma Bazi, spoke at the United Nations, and he talked about the importance of anti-imperialism. He stressed that Burkina Faso is supporting the pan-African struggle, trying to unite the entire continent. And in particular, he emphasized that Burkina Faso is working with the other revolutionary military governments in Mali and Niger and trying to unite their political and economic systems. He invoked the legacy of past revolutionary leaders, not only leaders like Burkina Faso's Tomas Sankara, but also Cuba's Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. He mentioned Malcolm X as well, the revolutionary black American leader who was a pan-Africanist and an anti-imperialist. He also honored past African revolutionary leaders, including the Congolese independence leader Patrice Lumumba and the revolutionary from Guinea-Bissau, Almirkar Cabral, and he stressed the importance of reviving their revolutionary ideas. He condemned the Western powers for continuing to pillage Africa's natural resources. That's the way he put it, that they're pillaging and stealing our natural wealth and leaving us poor. And also 
at the United Nations on the floor of the General Assembly, he condemned the UN itself and said that the body has become corrupt and is being manipulated and dominated by Western powers in a way that prevents the Global South from having equal representation. So in the rest of this video today, I'm going to be looking at clips from this speech that Burkina Faso's Minister of State, Basoma Bazi, delivered at the UN. Now, I do want to add one brief note here, and that is that this is an English-speaking audience, and I'm using the English translation from the UN, which has you know, official UN translators who are often very neutral and their their tone of voice is very neutral and they don't reflect the kind of revolutionary fervor of these speeches. So unfortunately, you don't get a lot of the emotion. You lose a lot of the kind of revolutionary spirit from the original voice of the minister of Burkina Faso. But because, you know, this is an English speaking audience, and because I also do a podcast version, I'm, I'm, I don't have subtitles. Just keep that in mind that when you hear these words, they're in some ways not capturing the full emotional power of this speech at the UN. It was actually the longest speech out of any leader's speech at the General Assembly this year, nearly 40 minutes. I went through it and I picked out some of the highlights. And I'm going to start looking at his criticisms of the United Nations itself. He said that the international political institutions are hypocritical and corrupt. The Western powers are dominating the United Nations and they are pillaging Africa. Well, billionaires get richer and they make poor countries get even poorer through an intentional system of inequality. There's been international hypocrisy and certain powers dominate the UN. They are complicit in pillaging Africa. We are living in an upside-down world, bodies litter the beaches where billionaires bask. There's a dissonance between rhetoric and practice, the facts. The UN Security Council is paralyzed. The UN must shoulder its responsibilities in a world of solidarity and justice as laid out in the UN Charter. And this requires it to have the courage to fight inequality. Inequality throughout the world is deliberate. Otherwise, with a modicum of courage and political will, we would be able, if not to eradicate them, at least to minimize them. As an example of how inequality is intentional, he pointed out that the United States spends hundreds of billions of dollars every year in its military and spends tens of billions of dollars on nuclear weapons. They could use that money to end poverty worldwide, but instead of ending poverty, they continue to fight more and more wars. He also called out the hypocrisy of Western governments which are fueling the war in Ukraine instead of trying to bring about peace. And they're spending billions of dollars on weapons, sending more weapons to Ukraine while Ukrainians are dying. And again, this is money that could be used to fight poverty instead of fueling this war that they never want to end because they're trying to weaken Russia. And then he called out the UN hypocrisy and the hypocrisy of Western governments for talking about democracy and human rights, but not giving equal representation to Africa and other Global South countries in UN institutions like the Security Council. 
You, the Westerners, you so much love the Sahel people, so much that you bring your military and your armies to die in the name of democracy, in the name of freedom and human rights and peace, then why is it that an African continent with some 1.3 billion people and the second largest continent of the world in terms of people with a number that the interpreter cannot figure out of the number of square kilometers and 54 states has no permanent seat within the Security Council, such a huge continent with so many people and no right of veto. How do you justify that? So let's stop with the diplomatic lying, the gross lies, which basically involves imperialist powers coming to the Sahel to defend quote-unquote democracy and human rights. Now Burkina Faso is part of the Sahel a region in Western and Central Africa that has a lot of natural resources. It's one of the poorest regions of the world. And there has been a lot of violence and instability, and in particular in countries like Burkina Faso and neighboring Mali. Several Islamist extremist groups are active in this region. And in his speech at the UN, the minister of Burkina Faso, Bazi, accused foreign powers of supporting these extremist groups to try to destabilize the region in order to take its natural resources. And he said that we in Burkina Faso, along with the nationalist military governments in Mali and Niger, we are working together to try to fight against these extremist groups. And yet foreign powers are trying to meddle in our internal affairs. The US military and the French military have used the existence of these extremist groups to justify foreign military intervention. Until recently, France and the US had thousands of troops in these countries, although slowly they're being these troops are being pushed out by the nationalist governments. And he stressed that this is all about trying to control the region's very profitable natural resources. Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso are dealing with a war that was imposed upon them by imperialism under the pretext of terrorists. And they, they, these are sowing terror and destruction. Wars for terrorism, which are maliciously fabricated and maintained, injected against us, especially in Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger. The real reason is really about the resources that are underground in the Sahel. This zone is unparalleled in the world in terms of wealth underground. Let's talk about mineral resources. Africa has 30% of the worldwide mineral reserves, 40% of gold reserves, 33% of diamond reserve, 80% of coltan reserve used for telephones, 60% of cobalt reserves for batteries, 55% of uranium reserves. The newspaper Le Monde in July 1957 put forth a figure of six to seven million tons of oil found below our soil potentially in the Sahara, in addition to the natural resources that we also have, such as uranium, gold, cobalt, zinc, diamonds, lithium, copper, etc. We do not want the looting, the cynical looting of our resources. Now, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Mali are among the poorest countries on Earth. The majority of their populations live in poverty, and yet these countries every single year export billions of dollars worth of gold and much of that gold is exploited by Western corporations. So when Burkina Faso accuses foreign countries, in particular NATO countries in the West, of trying to exploit the region's natural resources, I mean, that's not in any way hyperbolic. That's exactly what they've been doing. And in a country like Niger, 
It also exports uranium, and it is one of the top providers of uranium for France and for the European Union as a whole. And that's very important because they rely on Nigerian uranium. That is from the country of Niger, not from Nigeria. They rely on Nigerian uranium in order to provide power for their houses and their businesses. So the new nationalist military governments in the Sahel are saying, we want our natural resources to go to benefit our own people. We want to use that wealth to develop our country economically, to lift people out of poverty. And in fact, at the UN, Burkina Faso's minister compared their struggle in Africa to the struggle of black Americans. And in particular, he talked about George Floyd, who was a black American who was killed by a U.S. police officer who brutally suffocated him by putting his knee on George Floyd's neck. And Burkina Faso said, we in Africa, we simply want people to stop strangling us to take their knee off of our neck. Dominating us, that's what it's all about. Stepping on our necks, as was the case of the unfortunate George Floyd in the United States. Is that democracy? And in the same vein of condemning colonialism, Burkina Faso announced that it refuses to pay its foreign debt because it referred to that debt as colonial. That debt is odious debt. It was taken on by past puppet governments that acted on behalf of the Western imperialist powers, and Burkina Faso refuses to acknowledge it. The colonial debt. We will not turn a blind eye to this and pay it while allowing our people to die of hunger or thirst or disease. Now, I mentioned that Burkina Faso opened its speech honoring revolutionary leaders from Africa and Latin America. Here is the beginning of this minister Bazi's speech in which he names these heroes and says that Burkina Faso wants to continue their revolutionary legacy. I pay a humble tribute to the memory of those great world leaders who embodied the hopes and dreams for a just and equitable world through their commitment, determination, and sacrifice. I'm thinking in particular of Fidel Castro of Cuba, Patrice Emery Lumumba of Congo, Muribo Keita of Mali, Ruben Umnyobe and Felix Mumier of Cameroon, Silvanius Olimpio of Togo, Che Guevara of Argentina, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X of the USA, Nelson Mandela of South Africa, Joma Kenyatta of Kenya, Amakar Cabral of Guinea-Bissau and Cabo Verde, Marian Nugabi of the Republic of Congo, Captain Noel Isidore Toma Sankara of Burkina Faso, and others. These leaders were largely executed violently. Others were assassinated. They died in prisons or from poisoning. Their only crime in each case was embodying the dreams, ambitions, and hopes of the peoples that have been killed, raped, trampled, and pillaged. Now, in terms of France, the former official colonizer of Burkina Faso, the minister Bazi pointed out that still today, France maintains neo-colonial policies despite the fact that Burkina Faso is independent on paper. He's trying to make his country truly independent. 
And he named three specific ways in which France really maintained significant control over Burkina Faso's political system and economy. First of all, France controls Burkina Faso's currency, the CFA franc, which is a currency that was imposed on numerous West African nations that were former French colonies. And still today, France imposes this currency on them and they have to maintain roughly half of the foreign exchange reserves in their central banks in Paris. So in order to access their own foreign exchange reserves, they have to get approval from France and they still don't have any monetary sovereignty in the first place because monetary policy is set by France, not by the individual nations in Africa, which makes it very difficult for them to develop their economies. They can't implement an industrial policy. They can't invest significantly in social services because they are trapped in terms of their monetary policy. They can't devalue their currency to make exports more competitive. They can't try to change the exchange rate in order to support an industrial policy and develop local industry. And as another example of French neocolonial policies in Burkina Faso, he pointed out that French companies are given priority in contracts. So this maintains kind of French corporate monopolistic control over the economies of the Sahel. And furthermore, as another example, he pointed out that the French military has exclusivity agreements in, and that means that, that French military companies provide military equipment and technology to Burkina Faso and, again, are given priority over other countries. The issue of the currency, the franc CFA, this is called the franc of the French African colonies. French CFA, by decree 45 of the 26th December 1945, and it was signed, this legislation was signed by Charles de Gaulle, president of the temporary French government, René Plevin, Ministry of Finance, and Jacques Sousnel, the Minister of Colonies at the time. Next, the priority and interest for French companies in bids for public procurement and public offers. And finally, the exclusive right to provide equipment and military equipment and other types of military officers and colonies. The 17 November 1986, François Mitterrand, the French president at the time, in response to Captain Sankara said, and I quote, Africa was looted. And here I'm talking about raw materials. I should have talked about people. For centuries, we exploited you at a human level. We stole your men, your women, your children. We used you. I understand your refusal, I understand your revolt, and I approve of your fight. You are right to refuse to be a sacrificed continent. The time has come for you to develop your own economies based on your own goods and people. And the duty of these countries who abusively used you and used African labor, their duty is to restore to Africa what was taken from them over the last few centuries." End of quote. Indeed. Africa was always openly looted and pillaged, but still there is a great deal of wealth in our continent of people and mineral resources. And in this part of his speech, the minister Bazi of Burkina Faso condemned France's leader, Emmanuel Macron, and in particular his arrogant, condescending attitude and policies toward the people of Africa. And we look at the unfortunate and condescending attitude of the president of the French Republic, Emmanuel Macron, 
often who verges on the ridiculous while glorifying a hypothetical condescension vis-a-vis -vis African people. Now, while condemning French neocolonialism, Burkina Faso was also clear that it's not against the French people itself. And this is very interesting because I spent a lot of time in Latin America and the revolutionary leftist leaders in the region, whenever they condemn U.S. imperialism and the U.S. government, they're always very careful to distinguish the people of the United States from the government of the United States. They always say, we're not against the people of the U.S. We're against the government of the U.S. and its policies. And here, Burkina Faso said exactly the same thing about France. So you should keep this in mind when you see propaganda, which claims you know, Western government propaganda and Western media propaganda, which demonizes these countries in the global South and claims that they want to kill Americans and they want to kill Europeans. That's not true at all. That is completely false, as you can hear here. The African people don't have a problem with the French people. It's rather French policies and politics we have a problem with, the condescendence. That's what we reject. But let me clarify here that no African people is opposed to the French people. There's no anti-French sentiment in Africa, nor is there any issue with our legendary hospitality and our love of our neighbors. Rather, the African people refuse the condescendence, the arrogance, the insolence, the sufficiency, the paternal attitude, the looting of our resources and organized crime. That's our problem. Furthermore, in this speech, Burkina Faso criticized other countries in Africa and pointed out that their leaders act as puppets of the imperialists and the capitalists, and they go against their own country's national interests. And in particular, he singles out the African Union and also ECOWAS, E-C-O-W-A-S, which is the Economic Community of West African States. This is a political and economic organization of West African nations, and it often collaborates with France, the former colonizer, and with the United States, and is currently threatening military intervention and other forms of intervention in Niger and also in Burkina Faso and Mali by extension. And Burkina Faso and Mali have said that if there is a foreign intervention in Niger to try to overthrow the nationalist military government, they would consider that as an act of war against their governments as well, and it would set off a regional war. So at the UN, Burkina Faso said that these countries in ECOWAS, which have imposed sanctions on them, on Burkina Faso, on Niger, these African nations are acting as puppets of imperialism. When Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, and other countries organized along their common borders by pooling their forces to combat terrorism, France came out of nowhere to impose its instrument, that is G5 Sahel. Today, ECOWAS suddenly has established an intervention force, and unfortunately all of these macabre maneuvers were led by puppet leaders of African countries. Certain heads of state of ECOWAS and the African Union exploited by capitalist imperialist forces. Also in his speech, Bazi, the minister of state of Burkina Faso, warned that Niger could become the next Libya. That is to say, Libya's government was destroyed by foreign military intervention. Specifically, NATO launched a war on Libya in 2011 that destroyed the central state and killed 
Libya's revolutionary nationalist leader, Muammar Gaddafi. Libya had been the most prosperous country on the African continent. The government had provided many socialistic policies, including health care and education and housing for its people, which had a very high standard of living, using the oil resources of Libya to benefit average working people in the country. Instead, those natural resources were privatized and are now being exploited by Western corporations. And Libya still today, 12 years later, has a complete failed state because NATO destroyed the central government of Libya. And by the way, after NATO-backed extremist rebels from Islamist extremist groups, after they killed the leader, Muammar Gaddafi, U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, live on TV, gloated happily. She said, we came, we saw he died. Yes, we came, we saw he died. <laughs> did it have anything to do with your visit? No, I'm sure it did. So Burkina Faso is warning that if there is a new intervention in Niger, Niger could become the new Libya that destabilizes the region. He pointed out also the hypocrisy of these Western powers because this September there were horrific floods in Libya that killed thousands of people. And Western governments have claimed that they're providing humanitarian support for Libya and they pretend that they care so much about the Libyan people. And yet he pointed out that these Western imperialist powers are responsible for the humanitarian catastrophe in Libya because they destroyed the Libyan state. They destroyed the capacity of the government to protect its people and to prevent these kinds of crises from happening. First of all, in Libya, after the catastrophic flooding, thousands of people lost their lives. To assuage our consciences, every nation rushed to provide their condolences and solidarity. We ought to sincerely apologize to the people, the Libyan people, for collectively and individually being complicit, whether it's through pass uh, passiveness or active complicity, for supporting those butchers who caused the first man-made disaster in Libya. It was this disaster that brought Libya to its knees by looting it and by killing its guide before the flooding plunged into further sorrow. And unfortunately, this human disaster was led by the UN under Resolution 1970, as well as the guilty silence and the complicity of ECOWAS and the African Union. This macabre intervention with Nicolas Sarkozy's friends spearheading the effort killed the Libyan guide, Colonel Muammar Gaddafi on October 20, 2011. If our condolences to the Libyan people had the slightest bit of common sense and were not hypocritical, then this murderous diplomacy would never have uh, taken place. And now Niger is en route to becoming a second Libya. Next, all the people of Africa to stand up in fraternity and solidarity in Africa in order to prevent the imperialists from setting fire to Niger as they did in Libya. Now, during the 2011 NATO war on Libya, the Western powers handpicked a series of Libyan opposition leaders, many of whom had been living in, in the United States, by the way, and had been supported by the U.S. government for many years. And the Western powers recognized them as the so-called transitional government 
of Libya. So trying to install its puppets in power in Libya. And this pattern was repeated in Syria. The U.S. and European nations recognized foreign so-called Syrian transitional leaders they wanted to install in power as puppets. The U.S. tried the exact same strategy in Venezuela in 2019 with Juan Guaido, who was a little-known right-wing opposition politician. The U.S. tried to install him in power in Venezuela to overthrow the democratically elected leftist president, Nicolás Maduro, despite the fact that this U.S. puppet Guaido had never participated in a presidential election. Well, now today, Burkina Faso warns that the Western powers are trying the exact same strategy. They are trying to install their own puppets in Burkina Faso, and they are trying to overthrow the current revolutionary leader of the country, Ibrahim Traoré. Burkina Faso is experiencing cynical sanctions after the coup d'etat of December, September 30th, 2022. This so-called international community, led by France, which is used as lackeys in Africa, uh, tried to nominate a prime minister in Burkina Faso, but vain, in vain. Then they tried to impose various ministers and strategic posts within the government of my country, again in vain, in addition to cutting off aid, uh, and other problems with our FDS, we are seeing a block, a blockade on material equipment for us, again, led by France. For example, for the important uh, air defense equipment needed to control and defend our territory. Now, as part of this strategy to try to bring about regime change in Burkina Faso, the Western powers claim they want to restore democracy, supposedly, and they're opposed to the nationalist military governments in Burkina Faso, in Niger, in Mali, that have implemented these anti-imperialist policies to try to defend their national sovereignty and use their natural resources to benefit their own population. Well, in his speech at the United Nations, the minister Bazi of Burkina Faso pointed out the hypocrisy of this idea of so-called democracy in the West. They claim to be democratic because they have elections, but just because you have elections doesn't actually make you democratic. You know, the U.S. has elections every four years in which you have two choices between two parties that agree on 90% of policies. Their economic policies are basically exactly the same. They're always policies that advance the interests of large corporations and rich donors who fund their political campaigns. And we see that in the U.S. Congress, more than 90% of the candidates running for Congress who have more funding win the elections. So this is not a democracy. This is the greatest so-called democracy that you can buy with campaign contributions from big corporations and big banks and financial interests. So Burkina Faso pointed out that's not real democracy. We in Africa have our own histories of popular democracy. The Western imperialist powers do not need to impose so-called democracy on us. We African peoples are profoundly democratic by way of proof. Our attachment to human dignity goes beyond democracy. It transcends it. What we refuse is the lesser democracy, this trap of democracy, which has been extended. Electoral-based democracy, which turned out to be a way of controlling our states through playing musical chairs with the leaders who are often imposters and corrupt, who steal and rape. And that's why we have decided to say no. No to all these so-called friends who want our so-called good or who threaten us with war. 
to impose their friendship. That's why we want, we don't want the democracy sold to us by wolves in sheep's clothing. We need to provide adequate leadership for our people so they can seek their own happiness, for the full emancipation and true social progress for our people, be it economic, social, social, cultural, or security development. And Burkina Faso emphasized that the peoples of Africa are working together increasingly in this kind of pan-Africanist vision to achieve full emancipation for true social process to develop their countries and to lift their peoples out of poverty. Pan-Africanist leaders who fought for African unity are grandparents who fell in dignity, shot by the colonialists, these great sons of Africa who sacrificed themselves for the honor of their continent, who fought fiercely against the slave trade and neocolonialism. The African peoples and those of the Sahel, and specifically, are resolutely committed to fully assuming their full emancipation for true social progress. And thus, Burkina Faso will work with its partners that it wants to work with in a sovereign manner and buy from who it wants and defend how it wants. And then at the end of his speech, the minister of Burkina Faso, Bazi, gave a chant in which he said, long live solidarity, long live free Africa, the, the peoples of Africa fighting for freedom. And his last words before leaving the podium at the UN were words that reflect the revolutionary slogans of the anti-colonial struggles in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. He said, we will fight until victory long live until victory. And that is very similar to the Cuban revolution slogan of Che Guevara, hasta la victoria siempre, until victory always. And also the Palestinian revolutionary struggle, the PFLP, had a similar slogan, which is Thaura Hata Nasser, which is revolution until victory. So once again, we see an example of Burkina Faso trying to bring back this revolutionary legacy from 60, 70 years ago. Long live the people who fight. Long live solidarity. Long live free Africa. Long live the states of the Sahel. Long live until victory. So that was a summary of some of the main points of this speech by Burkina Faso's Minister of State, Basoma Bazi, at the UN General Assembly this September. I wanted to go through the highlights. I wanted to also provide further context I think this is very important because we're seeing the, the rise once again of revolutionary anti-colonialist governments in the global south. I think we're living in a moment that is similar to the 1960s, the 1970s, with the rise of the non-aligned movement, the rise of the global south. Once again, we're seeing governments in places like Burkina Faso that are picking up that revolutionary mantle and they're invoking past revolutionary leaders like Fidel Castro, Che Guevara, Patrice Lumumba, Amilcar Cabral, Thomas Sankara. And in the case of Burkina Faso, Thomas Sankara was the revolutionary leader in the 1980s who inspired the current revolutionary leader, Ibrahim Traoré. So it was a very fascinating speech. And again, this was the longest speech of all of the leaders that spoke at the UN General Assembly. This is part of a series that we're doing here at Geopolitical Economy Report. I'm going to look through highlights of speeches by 
given by different leaders at the UN, by Global South leaders, and summarizing their main points and also providing larger geopolitical and economic context. Of course, you're not going to get any of this coverage in the mainstream Western media. That's why we're here. That's why we do, do the work that we do. And if you like the work that we do, please subscribe. Please like this video if you're watching on YouTube. If you prefer a podcast version to listen, you can download the podcast and please subscribe to our RSS feed. And if you like the work that we do, also please consider donating. You can donate in several ways. If you go to geopoliticaleconomy.com slash support, the best way to support us is you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy. We are totally independent. We have no institutional support. We have no big donors. We rely entirely on small donations from viewers and listeners like you. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. I'm Ben Norton of Geopolitical Economy Report. I'll see you next time.